You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Queenie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's always exciting. I tell the team that when, uh, when we see your videos or just chat to you, I always come away smiling. Aww. I do because you make people smile. I think that's Aww. like I think that's a big part of what you do. And you and Pablo, it's uh, it's really cool and it's really just optimistic. It's fun. It's always engaging. The last time you're on the show, some people will know. Some people that follow us on Instagram or TikTok or whatever will know that we took a snippet from the last episode where you talked about a coal savings hack, and I think it reached like seven hundred and fifty thousand people. It made the news. It was a whole thing. So one of the things that Kate. Uh, wanted us to talk about today is like a savings hack uh, just at the outset. So have you got one for us? I do actually. Mm -hmm. So engagement rings, they're expensive. Mm -hmm. Diamonds are expensive. So I actually found this from a comment on one of my videos because we did a video about how Pablo saved money on our engagement ring by buying on this online diamond retailer. But apparently you can get diamond engagement rings from Costco and it's actually a lot cheaper than going to other jewelry shops. I haven't tested it myself, but I think it it checks out. It looks like Costco does sell engagement rings. So if you're looking for an engagement ring or some sort of jewelry, Mm -hmm. maybe consider Costco. Mm, Cool. I really like that. Uh, Just quickly, for those that haven't seen the video, how did Pablo save on your engagement ring? Oh, okay. So he... He actually bought, um, actually, I feel like Pablo should say this. What do you think? Can I move the yeah. mic over to yeah, Pablo? Sure. So okay. basically like there is this website you can buy online diamonds because 
in Australia, if you go to the store, uh, it can be quite expensive or you don't get the best quality diamonds. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's all these writings and stuff like that. So this website has actually like usually the best value for money. I was watching videos on YouTube about diamonds and they recommended this website and another, another website. It's called Blue Nil. And you can basically pick the diamond exactly like the size and the clarity or all these things, and then pick the ring and they put it on the ring. And then they ship it to you, it takes like maybe a few days. And then even better because they can even resize it for you. So it was slightly too big for Queenie's finger, but they have like a mm. free resizing. So you know the only thing, if it's too big, it's fine. If it's too small, maybe a bit more annoying. But yeah, that's how I did it. Yeah, great. Um, well, that sounds like a huge saving. Uh, I did. I had something similar. So um, I I went to a website called Joggia Diamonds, and I've got it on the screen in front of me. It's J O G I A, and it's based in Perth. And they do the same thing. They import the diamond for you, and then you can get it made to them, or you can take it to a diamond like a jeweler near you. The problem is a lot of the jewelers like to make the money on the the diamonds themselves. So when you take them a raw diamond, a lot of them don't like to work with it because they're like, oh, there's not much money for me to make, but some of them will. Uh, or you can get one of their designs already. And I did this and it was the most nervous thing waiting for the diamond to arrive in the mail. Um, I'll say how much I spent, but it's like, it was a big deal to me. So we, I think we spent $15,000 or I spent $15,000 just on the diamond. Um, but the thing is, there's a number that goes, it's like an invisible number that goes on the back of a diamond. And you can track that number anywhere in the world. Probably, you probably know this. It's called a GIA number. And it's like invisible unless you have the, the little magnifying glass thing. And you can track it throughout the world and see where else it's being for sale and how much it's being priced for. And I estimated that it was being sold for double through retailers. So... It gives you a sense of the savings. So if you if you do have a massive purchase, like a engagement ring, take a leaf out of Pablo and out in my book. It's worth shopping around. Obviously, there may be risks involved, so just also be aware of those. But great one. Yeah, and yeah. even now I think they have lab-made diamonds as well. Mm -hmm. So that's another option. Um, they're genetically, I think, the same as like natural diamonds, but they're obviously not naturally made, not, not naturally occurring, but yeah, you could also save big getting mm. a lab-made diamond. Mm. Yeah. I'd say most people don't know that. One thing also, I think like the beer, the company that produced all the diamonds, you know, back like in South Africa, Africa, they actually don't put all their diamonds on the market. So they're going to keep some diamonds and sell maybe 50% of the diamonds mm. to diamond retailers. And then that way it keeps the price high of the diamond rather than saying we have so many diamonds, we can sell it. So they will keep like maybe most of their diamonds mm. in their store or in like their facilities and then only say we have only that percent. So that way it keeps the price of the diamond high. Ah, oh, right. So it's like an artificial market. Yeah, that's how it works. That's the diamond industry <laughs> because they have, I think, 90% of all the diamonds. They can control what goes out of their store. There you go. So it's even more worthwhile. All right, Queenie. So the reason we're coming together today and talking about all these things is because we've just launched a new course. Um, the course, yes, is Invest with Queenie's Beginner Investing Course. So this is available on the RASC Education website. There is a link in the show notes for anyone who does want to take up the course. It's $99. It will pay for itself many times over. Uh, and 
If you do enroll in the course, there's a chance you get to be part of a webinar or some sort of live Q&A session as well. It's got everything from PDFs, videos. Uh, Kate's done a huge amount of work as well behind the scenes, helping us all put it together. Uh, and so it's a wonderful course. And we'll tell you more about it towards the end of the podcast. But one thing that you like to do, Queenie, is you like to go around with a microphone. I think we're going to do one after this. And you ask people what their first investment was, what their best investment was, all these types of things. So turning it around on you for a moment, what was your first investment? Oh, okay. Let's do let's do that. Um, <laughs> my first investment was, it was a very sensible investment. And I'm very proud of myself mm. for it. So it was an investment in a robo-advisor. So for those who don't know a robo-advisor, it's essentially uh, basically like a, a robo-financial advisor that puts you into a portfolio. Mm. So what you do is you'll go onto the website, you'll fill out a little survey about your risk profile, your age, your financial goals. And then at the end of the survey, mm -hmm. it recommends a portfolio to suit your needs. And yeah, that was my first investment because Pablo and I wanted to start investing, but we weren't sure what to invest in. And we knew that ETFs were a very popular investment for beginners, but we had no idea which ETF to buy. There were so many. It was very confusing. So we saw robo-advisors and we were like, hey, it looks like they just put you into a portfolio ready-made for you with ETFs already in there. So we don't have to pick one. So we decided to go with that option. It was a bit scary because um, at the time we had $5,000 saved that we wanted to invest. And it was really scary because $5,000, it's a lot of money. And it was all the money we had. And we were like, oh my gosh, like what if we lose it? What if we put it in and the stock market crashes and we mm. lose all our money and then, and then we're back to square one. So yeah, it was very nerve wracking putting the $5,000 in and just waiting, just seeing what's happening. And then every day we would check, it would be up $2, down $10 <laughs> one day, and it was really scary. But then, yeah, over time, um, it's actually done really well for us. And it was a good first investment because it is, you know, relatively sensible compared to other investments. Like definitely wasn't like, you know, some Forex or new crypto coin or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> very sensible. It's, um some might say boring, but it was super sensible. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's a good one. Um, did you sell it or did you hold on to it? So we eventually sold it when we were purchasing our first apartment. So to get the deposit out. And we did end up making money on that investment. We were dollar cost averaging into the robo advisor. And yeah, still made some money over time, which was really good. We did make some bad investments. So even though that was a sensible investment, we did make other bad investments as a beginner, like crypto, uh, investing in cryptocurrencies that we didn't really know much about. And mm -hmm. yeah, highly volatile. So yeah. You actually beat me to my next question, which was, so that's a really good start. Some mistakes that you might've made. Is that, is the crypto probably one of the biggest mistakes? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, it's a funny story actually. So Around the time that we were investing in the robo-advisor, one of my friends told me about crypto because at that time it was like 2017 or so. And this is when crypto was just becoming like all the rage. Everyone was talking about it. It was the start of a bull market. But this was kind of just before the bull market. And my friend was telling me, he was like, 
yeah, so I started investing in crypto and I'm making like 10% per day or something. And I was like, that's insane. That's what we make in our robo-advisor in a year. I can make that in a day. What are we doing? Like, and so uh, that night created an account, invested $50. And then sure enough, the next day went up by 10%. And I was like, this is easy. I'm a cryptocurrency genius. I, I didn't know I was, <laughs> but I was. And then it just kept on going, kept on investing money. And um, yeah, I think it was crazy because we invested 4000 in total. And then it was worth like 20000 at the peak of the bull market. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, this is crazy. I'm going to be like a billionaire, you know, <laughs> like I really thought like the way it was going, like sky's yeah, the limit. Not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we went on holiday for a couple of weeks. When we came back, we checked our account and it was like, it wasn't, there were a lot less zeros, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it went from 20K to like, I think $2,000. And that was a bit devastating because we were like, God damn, we should have sold. What do we do? And uh, yeah, that's when we learned the lesson of um, there's a reason people say crypto is speculative and it's risky. And yeah, it was a good lesson, you know. And I'm I'm glad I'm glad we learned the lesson, even if it was painful. Mm. And it's good you learn those lessons early on in the journey because then typically, even though it's a lot of money at the time, if you look back on that amount of money in 20 years. Well, and there's another speculative thing then maybe at that time you think, well, I learned my lesson on this 20 years ago or so, um, and I won't invest too much money. And so you kind of limit that risk. And that's okay. I think one of the scary things that happens is people then think all investing is like that when it's not. I mean, there are bubbles in shares as well, but it's not all like that. And it's very rare that someone loses 100% if they've done the sensible thing of diversification uh, when they put their money in the stock market. Uh, before you said like you, was, you were a bit scared when you put that original amount of money in the robo-advisor. So obviously like the fear of investing is pretty normal, but were there anything, was there anything else like a limiting, what we call limiting money belief that held you back? Maybe some sort of like imposter syndrome, maybe you didn't think you were smart enough, not planning things in your head, but maybe things that you thought that now you've conquered were holding you back? Yeah, so many limiting beliefs. Jeez, I, I still go through them every day. I'm like, oh, that's a limiting belief. I need to push that aside. Mm. Um, I would say at the beginning, definitely the fear of um, not feeling like you could be one of those investors, you know, like the ones that you see on the news that mm. have made all this money. You, you kind of look at your bank account and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I don't know if I have what it takes to be a successful investor, you know, it's just how it is. But I think eventually breaking down those limiting money beliefs, and I think especially in our society as a whole, I feel like there are so many, like I feel like even the thought of wanting to be wealthy or to be financially free, one of the limiting beliefs I had to overcome was thinking that people with money were evil or selfish because you see all these movies and TV shows and, yeah. and the rich people are evil and selfish. And you'll, and so I think subconsciously we might think, I don't want to be evil and selfish, so I just don't want to have money. And I think for a while I kind of, you know, was a bit of ashamed of having those financial goals. Like part of me didn't want that, even though the other part of me 
wanted to have financial freedom and to have wealth, but the other part was like, no, but the people that have money are evil, you mm-hmm. know, so trying to hold myself back. So, yeah, I wonder, have you, have you ever faced any of those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Imposter syndrome was a big one for me, um, just thinking that I couldn't do it, which ironically is probably the thing that pushed me to do it. Uh, but I think we all have some element of these playing out and it is true like on the news or in the media or on TV we see a lot of like negative bias towards people with money it's always like the person that's like motivated by money is the evil person but even if you think about it the most popular finance movies are actually movies where there's someone doing something strange unusual or bad like the wolf of wall street is like one of the most popular ones of all time right so that's not exactly like i don't think that's very like kind to the finance industry and then also other movies like the big short is like corruption in the system and how people profited from corruption and all this sort of stuff so again it's not necessarily something that people like around money and dealing with money are associated with like i guess good intent But that's a really fair one. I haven't come across anyone saying that yet. Uh, One of the things that you mentioned in the course is this idea of having money goals. So you talk about um, like setting, I think it's 30, 60 and 90 day goals. Can you maybe just explain how you use that framework to motivate yourself with money? Yeah, of course. So I always found that news resolutions are great, but one year often feels like a really, really long time to do something Mm. and by the time you end up getting to say December and you're like oh crap it's December oh my god next month is January I have not made any progress towards my goals that's often what would happen for me anyway and I was talking to one of my friends and she said that she now sets 30 60 and 90 day goals and the reason why she does that is because for one you get to achieve way more goals in a year than if you were to just set one goal each year. So for example, let's say you set like one New Year's resolution. That's one goal that you can achieve in 12 months. And by the time you get to the end of the 12 months, you'll probably have already forgotten about the goal that you set at the beginning of the year. Whereas if you set regular goals like monthly or every two months or every three months, then you're regularly keeping on top of your goals. And let's say if you set one goal, every three months, that's four goals that you can complete in 12 months. It's already four times as many goals that you can complete. So I like to break it down because especially the 90 day goals, I find those, that's my sweet spot because I find that often like a week or a month, it just seems like too little a time to complete a meaningful goal. But a 90 day time frame, it seems like it's it's quite a lot of time to complete something meaningful. Mm. So yeah change your life yeah do you use anything to keep track of your goals like what do you use like tools to remind yourself or anything like that yeah i do so i have this great app called notion Mm -hmm. and it's free and yeah i think it's a really great app if you want to keep track of your goals and something else that's quite cool about notion that that we just started doing so another one of our friends he loves using notion and he has this um he, he has this board where he has all of these different possible futures, which is really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, for example, he wants to run a marathon. So, he has this board where it's like possible future, marathon runner, 
and it goes through all of the steps that he needs to take in order to become a marathon runner. And then another possible future for him is like go to Europe and go on a trip to Europe. And then he has all of the things that he needs to do in order to complete that goal. And I just love that concept. And we started doing it ourselves because it's it's really cool to be able to put down your goals and your possible futures. Instead of just having them up there in your head, you can actually visualize them, break down the steps. And it doesn't seem as scary when you actually break down those, those steps. So mm. yeah, highly recommend it. Cool. I really like that. I like the, the idea of shorter term uh, goals and then using Notion to track them. I use Notion for everything as well. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, we use it at work as well. So all the business feeds back into Notion, even though we use Google Docs and all the rest of it. And I know a lot of businesses are, are adopting it for that reason. Like you can add everything to it. It's really cool. Um, in the course, you've got a bunch of books and we caught up recently, um, like the four of us, we caught up and uh, we went down to like Mornington Peninsula, which was heaps of fun. And you guys mentioned books and I like audiobooks and all these resources. Uh, but in the course that you've created, uh, you mentioned a few books like Die With Zero, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, um, Start With Why, Atomic Habits, The Psychology of Money. There's so many good books that you've got in your recommended reading list. Um, why Why do you like some of these books? Like why, like maybe you want to call out a couple of them? Yeah, of course. So I would say if you're going to read Okay, oh, it's so hard because there are so many good finance books and I love them so much. I'll have to say a couple because I don't think there's sure. any one that I absolutely love like the best. I, I feel like I love them all. Mm -hmm. um, I would say Your Money or Your Life. That's a really good one if you're looking to get into the financial independence movement. I really like how Vicky, she talks about essentially your time is money and your money is your time and vice versa because mm. essentially you have had to work in order to produce that money. So the way that we should look at our money is essentially like our, our time really. And I really love that concept because I think it is very true and it, it can help you kind of like flip your mindset into ways that you can save more money because if you can save money, then you can essentially save your time and spend your time and your money on things that are more worth worthwhile and uh, that's a really good one and then on the flip side die with zero which was actually inspired by that book your money or your life but he has a bit of a different approach to thinking about money and time because I think what's interesting in the fi financial independence movement and in the finance movement people often talk about how you know ten thousand dollars saved and invested in your 20s equals like ten billion dollars in your <laughs> 80s or something you yeah. know and you think wow that's a lot of money um but when you really think about it ten thousand dollars spent in your 20s or 30s or 40s when you're able-bodied when you can do really fun things mm. that actually goes a really really long way compared to even like a hundred thousand in your 80s or 90s where you might not be as mobile you might not be as healthy. You might not be able to do as many things as if you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s. So I think there's definitely a bit of a balance. Obviously, you don't want to be thinking like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just spent, you know, 20 minutes of money worth of money on, on X, Y, Z. And you obviously mm -hmm. don't want to be spending all of your money because you're thinking like, well, I could die tomorrow. So I might as well spend all of it. I think there's definitely a balance. So I think I would read those two books first because 
I really like the the duality and I think they're both very important mindsets. Um, and then, of course, the classics, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, great mm. book, Barefoot Investor, really great book, especially the super section. What's your favorite finance book? Well, one of your books on the list is actually one of my favorites, which is The Psychology of Money, which is over-recommended these days, but it probably can't be recommended high enough, so maybe not. Um, Morgan Housel does a... a a great job of conveying like the behavioral elements of finance and investing in there. Uh, we actually make a joke on our other podcast, Queenie, which is the Australian Investors Podcast. We actually make a joke that Morgan actually sits in on the episodes with us because we quote him so much <laughs> that he may as well be an, a co-host of the podcast um, because we were so inspired by that book. But that's definitely one. I mean, the Robert Kiyosaki books, uh, the original one, like The Cashflow Quadrant and uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, great books. Um, it, Different, like, different strategies that probably can't be replicated by some Australian, uh, especially beginner investors, but just the concepts of building up your assets and focusing on getting rid of some liabilities or just using them strategically is so important. Um, there was a, when you mentioned like Dive with Zero before, I actually had a friend appear on the Investors Podcast and he talked about how money to him today, like his time, he's got more time and he's got like less money. So he uses his time effectively to build money as quickly as he can. But he said, like, he, he said, if you could give a year of your life to, uh, I think he at the time said Rupert Murdoch, he would pay a billion dollars of that for an extra year of life. And it goes to show like the, the trade-off that people make at different parts of their life. And uh, I think for the most part, we don't rec always recognize how much time we have when we're younger and to use it and spend that time wisely, which is really important. Uh, there is... I, just a general question that I wanted to ask as it relates back to the course is why did you decide to create the course with us like with Kate myself and everyone in the rest team like why did you why did you guys do that honestly I think that you have really great energy and <laughs> after Pablo met you at the FinFest yeah he was like we should we should talk to Owen and the team from Rask and I had already known about you know your podcast and your website and I actually did one of your courses as well the financial independence one. Oh, really from yeah, Kate? Oh, yeah wow. I thought it was really really good and I love the layout and the website so yeah it just made sense and then after doing the call with you I felt like I don't know you know some people you meet them and then you're like well it seems like they're, they're getting something out of this or like a bit of a taker, right? Yeah. But after doing the call with you, I'm like, oh, he's such a giver, isn't he? Like I just <laughs> I just felt like that. And I was oh, like, thanks. good vibes. And you and Kate are just such a great team. And yeah, I just well, knew it was right. Yeah, cool. And uh, for everyone listening or watching this, you, it, it, it's, it's like it's always a great thing to come across people in our industry that are like-minded and just want to help people and you guys definitely want to do that which is so it's just so great and the fact that we can create the course together and offer that to folks uh, is just wonderful uh, so i've got a couple more questions that we'll just uh put a bow on here but one of them is like what does financial independence look like to you financial independence looks like not having to i i don't know it's just so many things hey like not having to worry about money and so that it impacts every single area of your life you know mm. I remember when I didn't have much money and I was at uni working a few part-time jobs spending a lot of money on Sydney rent and groceries and everything and it was like money was everything you know it really was because every decision that I made was dictated by money you know, how do I get to work today? Um, 
Mm. I have had, what's the cheapest way for me to get to work? What's the cheapest lunch that I can make for myself? What's the cheapest thing in the grocery, in, in the grocery basket? What's the cheapest meal that I can make that I can bring to work? You know, like every single decision that I made was dictated by money. Like, can I go out? with my friends to the coffee shop and buy a coffee. No, I can't because money, <laughs> you know, like every single decision. So I was like, yeah, it would be so cool to not have to make every single decision based on money, you know? And I still believe that obviously now I'm, I'm in a better financial position, so I don't have to think about it as much. And I still feel so grateful, like being able to go into a supermarket and not have to buy the absolute cheapest, item every single time that's such a such a privilege it really is and yeah I would just love to have more of that in my life so that you can actually not have to worry about giving things away not have to sweat the kind of the small things you know like yeah I just I love that I love mm. that so much and being able to travel and have cool experiences and to be able to chat your friend's dinner every couple of every so often and yeah I just I love it what about you what's financial independence and financial freedom I don't think I have a better answer than that Queenie because um I think that's probably one of the best answers I've heard in terms of like the initial fear that and feeling that people have is like everything comes back to money and some people can have a lot of money and still have that issue like I know a lot of really wealthy people that have probably got wealthy through that anxiety. And some people that don't have a lot of money, but don't have that because they've kind of released themselves from it. But, you know, uh, we'll quote Morgan House, I've seen that he, I already just did. So um, <laughs> he, he, uh, he has this line, which is really eloquent. It's like financial freedom is like being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. And I think that's kind of the best definition of what financial independence is to me. It's just the ability to wake up and go, well, I don't have to do that thing. I can go and do this thing. It's that control. Dave Gow from Strong Money, uh, he always, he's on Twitter. He's pretty, he's pretty good on Twitter. And he'll, like, I'll be at work. Like when I say at work, sometimes I work from home or whatever in the city. And I'll be looking at like what I'm doing. And then he puts a photo up and he's like throwing a stick for his dog at like 10.30 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like he doesn't, he can, he can literally do that because he's achieved what his definition of financial independence is. And what may be right for him is not necessarily right for me, but I just think that that's pretty cool. And that control over your time is wonderful. And obviously in Dave's case, he's made a lot of sacrifice, uh, but I would like to get to something like that. I think I have financial independence already, or at least I have independence, but I've achieved it in a different way. I achieved it through business. Uh, rather than through the pure financial side of things. And that too required a lot of sacrifice. But effectively, I can do what I want, when I want, with who I want, most days of the week. So even if that's during work hours, like I get a lot of satisfaction of doing this, right? We're recording with everyone here. This is my definition of a great day. So even if I had a billion dollars, I'd probably still be doing the same thing. So I'm very privileged, as you said, like it's a, it's a luxury, it's a privilege to be able to do that, but that's my version of it. Um, so maybe some more like, because the because the course, I think if people take the course, they're likely to, what I, what I really want for everyone to do that takes a course is invest for the first time. I just, it's designed for people to invest. Um, and there are so many things that hold people back from this right now. And so, I'm curious, like, what do you think holds most people back from investing? Oh, I think that it's all of those 
limiting beliefs that we spoke about earlier and all of that the fear mongering that goes on in the world of investing because mm. obviously we've all seen those movies the wolf of wall street and we've seen the big short and movies like that where you think that oh my gosh these people take on crazy amounts of risk and they lose everything mm. and then that's kind of the end of the story and like oh my gosh like that's what investing is but the thing that we want people to remember as they take the course is you can take on as much or as little risk as you'd like to. So it's all about working out what your risk profile is, investing amount an amount that you're comfortable with, you know, money that you ideally don't need to live. Um, Mm. We talk about having an emergency fund, so you don't have to dip into your share portfolio or your portfolio when the market is down, when it's not a good time to sell. So you have that freedom to be able to, you know, have that money set aside, doing its magic with the compound interest and you just living your life. That's essentially what it is. So I think the education aspect, I think as well, is definitely something that holds people back. So hopefully with this course, people can become more comfortable with the idea of investing, just knowing what does risk actually mean why do people talk about people losing all of their money when it comes to investments and what what kind of goes wrong in those situations because i feel like a lot of the time we hear about it but then we don't really dissect okay what happened what what did they invest in why did they lose a hundred percent how can we stop ourselves from making those same mistakes you know we just hear that and we think oh okay investing's bad you know Mm -hmm. instead of actually thinking hmm why in this situation did that happen and how can we not make that mistake? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think like, like I don't want to quote him again, but I've got another quote from Robert, <laughs> which is that like, uh, the, the old, he wrote this headline in, tw- I think it was 2014, which is about the time I first discovered Morgan, maybe a bit earlier. Um, and he has this headline, he wrote just the headline, which just says it all. It's like 99% of long-term investing is doing nothing. The other 1% changes your life. And he... Like it, it's basically this idea that every day you wake up and you invest and you don't even really notice it. It's only like that 1% of time when you get a news headline or something scary happens or you make a decision um, and that's when you tend to focus all of your energy. But for the most part, like we did the, um, the free webinar the other night on YouTube, which was heaps of fun, and we talked about passive income and the seven sources of passive income that you can earn as an individual. And like a lot of that stuff just happens in the background. It's that magic that happens in the background, but you don't hear a news story about that stuff. Like, oh, I received $3 in dividends from this one investment, or, you know, I got $100 of bank interest this quarter or something like that. You don't hear news stories about that. You hear all the scary stuff. And so progress is made in those days when you don't hear the news and you don't tune into the news, not in the days when you see all the scary headlines. And I think that's definitely like the education, the imposter syndrome around that are definitely some of the things that I see. But maybe I'll, I'll just finalize this kind of investing angle with one question, which is how do you automate your investments or do you automate your investments? Yeah, so I have a ideal portfolio that I've set up and it's just, I essentially have done a lot of research into which ETFs I would like in my portfolio, what do I want the mix to be? And then I just set up my investing frequency and how much I'd like to invest. And it's all automated for me because then I don't have to like, you know, overthink what am I investing in or what should I buy this month or how much should I invest? It's already done for me. So, and I think it's a good thing as well to let technology take over because also in the book, The Psychology of Money. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. I like one of the things, the big takeaways that I got from that book is that 
we are often our own worst enemy when it comes to investing because people aren't logical. And I think there was this one section of the book where he talks about how um, basically people aren't very logical. So even if somebody has the absolute best portfolio, the best strategy or whatever, somebody tells them, okay, this is the perfect portfolio, the best strategy ever, like whatever, we will still find a way to stuff it up because we're not rational. Like we'll see a news headline, we'll be like, oh crap, my portfolio is bad. I'm going to sell it all, you know? And like that, that's what people do essentially. But if you can find ways to limit the amount of human involvement and the human error that you can make and try not to touch your portfolio, well, that's probably, it's probably better for the long term. So you don't make those irrational decisions when you see those scary news headlines. Mm, Yeah, that's great. I I really like that. Um, Automation is so good. And one of the books that you recommend in the course is actually Atomic Habits, which is a fantastic book. And automation basically just is automated habits, right? It's like you're investing regularly. You round up if you use like a micro investing app or all of those things can happen in the background. Transfers, if the pay hits your bank account, you save this amount, whatever. So many different ways to automate. It's basically taking away the need to build those habits and just have them automated in the background and just ticking along. So that's awesome. Um, So Queenie, the course is available uh, on Rask Education. Now people can enroll. It's $99, which is super cheap considering everything that it takes into account, which is like all this financial information and it gives you a pathway through it all to start investing. There's even a section in there, which I do appreciate because we get, this is like our number one question is which brokerage account do I use and how do I use it? You actually do a walkthrough of two different brokerage accounts in there, which is fantastic. So these are the types of answers to the questions you're going to get if you take the course. But I guess what else, maybe do you have any ideas like what else, why would people take the course? Why would they be interested in taking the course as opposed to maybe listening to a podcast or watching a video? I think that one of the things that I think the benefits of doing a course like this would be that all the information is in the one place because sure, you could find this information at a bunch of different places. You could watch a video about emergency funds and you could find a podcast about budgeting or Mm. you could read a book about how to different types of investments. But all of these sources of information are quite scattered, difficult to find. But if you take this course, it's all in the one place. All of the steps are laid out in a logical order. So you can literally go from not knowing anything about investing to being able to make your first investment by the end of the course. And I think just having all of those sources in the one place, it saves you a lot of time. And it's also, yeah, very logical. So you can go through all the steps really easily in your own time. Mm. And all bite-sized information. We, we try to make it fun in the course. So we've got fun little analogies and mm. little pitches and things like that. So yeah, if I didn't say so myself, I think it is a really fun course that yeah. we've created. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So if folks want to get in contact, uh, they can reach out to any of us that were on social media to learn more about the course, uh, but also the information's available in the show notes. Uh, check it out, let us know what you think. It's a heap of fun, it, uh, it supports things like the podcast that supports content creators and and people like us to do what we do. So um, we do really appreciate it. And we will be hosting things like webinars and things in the future. So you'll get invites along to come and chat with us as well. But Queenie, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for making me smile. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.